0: Hey everybody, Mike Berbiglia here for the third episode uh, of Working It Out that we're dropping today. This, is, uh, this episode was based on my friend John Laster's Instagram post the other day. If you go to his Instagram page, which is at hewasfunny, or if you go on mine, I'm at Berbiggs. I reposted his, the photo is of a burning building in Minnesota and the text next to it reads like this.
1: This is what I felt like on the inside the first time cops put a gun to my head over what are you doing over here, made me lay in an oil stain when I begged them to let me lay on the sidewalk. I suppressed it and went home and cried. This is what I felt like on the inside when I almost got shot by cops in a parking lot because they routinely stopped us and their flashlights made a seatbelt light up. I was terrified. Went home, suppressed it, and cried. This is what I felt like on the inside when they recently put their guns in my face and threw my bag in a sprinkler puddle and my ID on the ground through a fence at Pratt. I had to go on campus to get my ID back. Suppressed it and cried on my walk home, feeling humiliated. This is what I felt like on the inside when I spent the night in jail after following three white girls in between a train car. Cops singled me out as the white girl screamed at him for it, and then they proceeded to their party as I spent the night in jail, missing my first meeting with a comedy hero of mine, Keenan Ivory Wayans. I have at least 40 or 50 of these stories, and I know black men who have many more than me. A white friend of mine said to me that they sympathized with the protesters because George Floyd was the fuel for all of this. The years of abuse and disrespect are the fuel. George Floyd was the match.
0: So, uh, so John, I was DMing with you the other night, which is how this conversation started because you you posted this thing on Instagram that was uh, really emotional about you know what's going on right now with the cops and uh, things that you've dealt with with cops over the years and and I was like well we should get on the podcast and talk about it and uh and then I I thought back to to our relationship over the years and I was like well uh, but first but first we have to address honey buns
1: <laughs> yeah you don't know, you
0: think that don't you think that's
1: important yeah you know what's really sad mike this is this is this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah this this is this is uh, you know you my guy so i can tell you right right i <laughs> i went into the bodega right last night <laughs>
0: Don't, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like where this is going.
1: I go to the bodega last night. I've been doing, I've been doing a good job though.
0: Right. Yeah, then, Just so to that. give a little background to the listeners. John revealed to me uh, about six months ago, how many honey buns he eats on a regular basis. And I, I I would say pretty close to shouted at you at the Comedy Cellar.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah.
0: That's where we're friends. We're friends from the Comedy Cellar. We do a lot of shows together over the years, and that's how we become friends. But when you revealed to me, basically you revealed to me that at a certain point you were eating 10-plus honey buns a day.
1: Yeah, like eight. Yeah, eight or nine. Eight. Yeah, eight or nine. Let
0: that yeah. sink in. To the listeners, (laughs) how many honey buns, I'll just put it in perspective, I eat no honey buns per day. I mean, if I were to go on a a honey buns bender, I'd eat two honey buns. Oh, yeah. You were eating eight.
1: Eight honey buns a day. Yo, hey, oh, it's a true. So then, but, but, so, then but you,
0: so then, John and I sort of had it out about honey buns. That was probably six months ago. And you scared, and is,
1: you scared the life out of me. You you scared me into not uh, eating honey buns.
0: Yeah, because I was like, "You're gonna die. Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> yeah. straight up gonna die from honey. Buns. You're
1: gonna die. You're just gonna tip over on stage from uh, honey buniosis.
0: It's like honey bun. I mean, what even are honey buns? I don't even think there's honey in honey buns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot of love in there, though. A lot of love.
0: <laughs> is it? What is the company that is it? Sarah Lee that makes honey buns.
1: Uh, you know what? I eat a lot of Lady Linda honey buns. Okay. Yeah, they're they're a, a little better quality. You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're lying to yourself, John. They're not I'm, better
1: quality. I'm a top shelf honey bun eater. <laughs>
0: And keep in mind as we talk about Honey Buns that this is, this is some John is someone who played serious D1 college basketball, was close to going pro, uh, and isn't, I would describe you as being in good shape and, <laughs> and he eats eight, sometimes eight Honey Buns a day. <laughs>
1: I would describe me. You know what? That's not true because I'm getting in better shape. I'm back, you know, since this uh, since the pandemic, I'm back up to six miles a day. So, yeah. um, Yeah. So. But the sad part is I actually, Mike, you'd have been proud at the beginning. I really was. The honey buns were going away and I hadn't had any probably in almost a week. (laughs) Yeah. None like zero, though oh that's great you gotta figure that's as 40, it should be 40 as it should less be. honey buns than i normally would have ate over the course of those days
0: that's shocking
1: yeah and then i go into the bodega and the bodega guys are standing there i swear to god this is what they say where have you been honey bun
0: oh my god <laughs> they call you honey bun my nickname is honey bun <laughs> that's outrageous uh,
1: where have you been honey bun where have you been i was like oh fellas. what neighbor
0: what neighborhood are you in
1: I'm in Stuyvesant Heights in Brooklyn. Bedside uh, Stuyvesant Heights, you know, bougie people call it Stuyvesant Heights now, but yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's whatever convenient naming is is uh, fitting for yeah. th- for their selling of the thing. You and I <clears throat> I want to say like when was it like a year ago when you were switching apartments oh. and y- and you and I kept checking in because you're like I can't find an apartment. Yeah. And this is and this is racial, and this this was actually very eye opening for me. Uh, is you were like it's hard as a black guy in New York to get an apartment.
1: Yes, absolutely. I feel like
0: at the time you were telling me that something something to the effect of that when you're submitting paperwork for different apartments as a black man, you're less likely to get approved.
1: Well, you know what's so funny, Mike, was the very first place I went was this old black lady, right? So I go to look at the room because I wasn't even looking at one bedrooms; so I just wanted a ginormous room within an apartment. And she said to me, she <laughs> said, "Let me tell you something, young man." <laughs> <laughs> young man. Yeah, that's what she. This is exactly what she said. Let me tell you something, <laughs> young man. <laughs> you are black. You're single. Um, bedsty and. And Crown Heights are the hot neighborhoods. They are not going to rent to you. So if you like wow. this room, if I were you, I would take it. I own the building, so I know the struggle that you're going to have trying to find a place. You should take this room. And I'm thinking wow. to myself, damn, old lady, that's a terrible sales pitch. <laughs> 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 what type of sales pitch is that, lady? What yeah. are you talking about? Um, and then, you know, I start looking, I start looking, it got so bad that the, the realtor guy that I had looking for me, one of the places they asked for, Hey, we, you know, need your paperwork. It says you work at the seller, your, um, your credit score, of course, you know? And so he says, your credit score has got to be like, you know, they're looking for 600. If it's a little lower, I can work with you. I said, man, my credit score is 720. He was like, Oh. Great, I'll get you the keys tomorrow. Then he was like, hey, man, they need a bank statement from you. Normally we don't ask for that, but they just want to know that you have a month's rent in the bank. I get him a bank statement. He texts me, yo, dude, you have 10 months rent in the bank. Yeah, I'm good for the <laughs> yeah. money. You know, I'm, I'm doing okay out here. So he says, oh, I'll get you the keys tomorrow. Then they needed a, a pay stub from the comedy seller. Then they needed oh, wow. a... a Show by show, they needed wow. to know. So it just the list just kept getting longer and longer. And then after that, they said no. Now my realtor was upset because he was like, "I just rented the room across the hall. He's telling me this to a yeah. to, to this white girl whose credit score is a hundred points lower than yours. She wow. makes she makes twenty five thousand dollars a year less than you do." Let wow. me do. Let me do. Let me tell you the good news, though. And she, her residency is in London. Meaning, if she decided not to pay the rent and left, their legal recourse was close to nothing.
0: Oh my gosh! So
1: he was like, I don't know why they're doing this to you, and they keep asking you for stuff. And then he said, and then he said that they told him, well, could we just kind of find someone else? We just, you know, we're we we're, we're just not sure. And then so that no. I, yes,
0: can we just find someone
1: else? That's what they told him. And he's That's pulling crazy, his hair yeah. out. He says, hey, man, fuck that. Don't worry about it. I'll find you somewhere else. I already have all your paperwork. So we go the next place. I said, you know what? Let me just get a one bedroom if I have to move further out. And this, we went through the same thing. He comes, he texts me one day. He said, I went in the office and told them what was going on with you. And he said, the white girls in the office were like, this is getting uncomfortable. yeah that's funny as hell this is getting uncomfortable and then all my my white realtor friends are like dude you gotta file we gotta fight this i'm like dude i'm trying to find a place
0: right right, where you're just like i just want to live somewhere i just want to lay down man oh my god is that
1: so much to ask and and the crazy part is so i'm going through this i'm stressed out and i put all of the stuff that these people had asked me for on my instagram stories Yes. Yes. By the grace of God, somebody yeah. hits me. My friend hits me who also happens to be a comedian. She said, John, I own a building. I have a tenant who's supposed to give us two months notice, but she, she told us Friday she's going to be gone by Sunday. Come look at the place. You know, maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but I thought you should at least look at it. So I go over there. It's way more money than I wanted to spend. I come yeah. to the top of the steps. She happens to be black, and she said, listen, you black. Let me tell you something. I said, bitch, give me them keys. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I am sold. You do not have to tell me this again. Just wow. give me. I just want to lay down in peace tonight. And it was more money than than, um, than I wanted to spend. But I was so grateful. You know what's so funny? It's both her, her and her wife are both, they're both black. So it wasn't like. I found some resolution that they, I found some good white people that were like, Yeah, we'll rent to them. I just happened to run into someone and after she gave me the key, she said they would not have rented
0: to you. That's crazy, man. You would
1: still be looking. This 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 search that you were on would not have ended a lot of other places I was going. I was like, Hey, I love the place. They were like, Oh, great, yeah. well, we'll get back to you.
0: I I think what's one of the strangest things about your story is that your real estate story, because I remember talking to you about this at length at the time. I feel like I was living it with you week over week. Absolutely, at the I'd be like, "How's it going?" And yeah. you'd have like a new story. Yeah, I go, "How's <laughs> yeah. it going?" You'd have a new story. There's a new apartment I'm looking. At, uh, you know, I had a new rejection. And, uh, <clears throat> and the white version of the story is, "Hey, I found an apartment." Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, a lot of my a lot of my white friends were like, "Oh, yeah, I found a great place over on Bithena. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, Jesus. And 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 I just what's crazy about that your your real estate story is it's not subtle.
1: Oh no, definitely not. Definitely like, well, I'll what, tell that, you I'll I tell you what the the last place the, the what they told my realtor because obviously be, because the first some of the first places that I had gone to had asked for so many things, right? That by the time I got to the last place, Mike, he had yeah. a mountain of my stuff, right? So yeah. he, so instead of them asking me for a million different things, you know what they said? He's not a good fit.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. They're they he's flat out He's not a good fit. That's exactly what they told my well, we just don't think he's a good fit.
0: Can you be more specific, please? Yo,
1: man, I, I meanwhile I was I was just running to come see this because I'm desperate now.
0: That's fucking crazy, man. And then it's like, and that's what, like, and that's where, it, you know, to me, that relates to why your Instagram post that I like reposted was so powerful because you go, you know, <clears throat> you say, you know, this is what it felt like, you know, when cops held a gun to my head that you know this is what it felt like when you know I I almost got shot by cops in a parking lot etc this is what I felt like this is what I felt like and it's, it's almost like a the the structure is uh, almost like a poem mm-hmm. like this is what it felt like this is what it felt like this is what it felt like it's like a repetitive structure and and to me it's like when you're going through all this real estate stuff to me I go what it's like what does that make you feel like
1: right and and you know what? It makes you feel the same way. You know what I mean? And I and I put the the like I said, the 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 Instagram uh post that I recently posted and that thing is just going viral. But the um but the, the thing about that was just to try to help people understand that you and I could be looking at the same cop car going oh, yeah. by, thinking about thinking very different things. Yeah. You know, or looking for an apartment or going for a job. It's just, you know, we have very different experiences. And I'm not talking about some, I'm not some coke dealing, bank robbing. Do you know what I mean? So my experiences with the cops as a regular dude have been very, very different. Or I'm not a guy that's out here trying to scam to look for an apartment. I make good money. I work at the best comedy club in the world. My credit score is over 700. You know, yeah. there's plenty of money in my bank account. Why Why does it take me over two months, over yeah. two months to find a place to live in the neighborhood that I already live in?
0: Yeah, and by the way, in the city that is theoretically progressive and liberal.
1: Well, I'll submit to you Central Park.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sub- you don't have to formally submit around the podcast, John. Yeah. You- we're not taking, we don't need to look at your forms or anything. You can just.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: No, actually, you, I'm sorry, John. I just got word in my ear. You've been rejected from this podcast.
1: <laughs> this is not going to air.
0: Well, it's just not a fit. It's you're not, not a, a good, fit. You're not a good fit. Yeah. But Central Park, you're saying Central Park as an example. Yes,
1: yeah, Central Park as an example that even in the middle of New York City, you know what I mean? Um, that, that, that race, racism is, is alive and kicking.
0: Oh yeah. You mean with the, with the video? Yeah. With the video. Yeah. I'm
1: going to call them and tell them an African American male, you know,
0: unbelievable. Yeah.
1: It's like, sometimes those are the people that you're, you know, you're, you're showing your damn, you got the money in the bank and you got, you know, I work at the seller. Here's a pay stub. Here's my credit score. Here's my, and it's still a no. Still enough.
0: By the way, that in that video, if people don't know what we're talking about, it's a video where a, a African American man is birding.
1: <laughs> birding, he's birding. He's out birding.
0: The nerdiest ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I. W- it would take a lot for me to bird as a verb, John. <laughs> that it is the act of. Sort of observing birds. I, I don't think there's a more peaceful activity than birding.
1: Yeah. First of all, I thought that was a better reason to call the cops on his punk ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so,
1: yeah, yeah. Somebody come get this bitch ass dude out here birding.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so they, so the birding gentleman is mentioning to this woman. Uh, this is all caught on video. It's like it's mentioning this woman. Hey, could you keep I think keep your dog on a leash, which yeah. is the rule anyway?
1: Yeah, because appara- apparently um those dogs have chased and killed some of these birds. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So they want to protect then, that area.
0: And then she uh she got really upset and and picked up her phone and threat threatened to call the police and say uh,
1: African American uh, man is threatening American me. Man. Yeah, she yeah. she went full Karen out there, yo.
0: I mean, holy shit! Yeah,
1: <laughs> and starts that shit and then she starts shocking. and then she starts screaming and you know acting like, oh my
0: god, I'm I'm scared
1: as she walks away. And he's like, you know, just do what you're gonna do, lady.
0: But it's crazy, John, because it's like you see videos like that, you see. You know, obviously the phenomenon of cops killing African-American men is at this point uh, years and years old and the act itself is centuries old. And then it's like, at what point, like the other day you and I were DMing mm-hmm. and you and I said, how do you feel? And he goes, you, you go like, I feel more optimistic than I have. And it's like, where does the optimism come from right now?
1: Well, I think the optimism, to be honest with you, comes from younger people. Um, number one, who who didn't sign up for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Younger people are more optimistic and they truly believe that they want things to be fair. I don't I don't think that they um I think that's what they're fighting for. Things should be fair. The other thing too is I think that, unfortunately— When you say
0: younger, you're saying, like, like current, like, teenagers, 20, 30-somethings yeah. 20 kind yeah, of thing?
1: Yeah, because, like, at the marches that I'm going to, you know, now, and the, mm-hmm. the I should say the rallies, because when they start marching and shit, I'm like, I'm headed home,
0: man. I... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the difference, do you in your mind, between the march and the rally? The
1: rally stays in place. The march goes okay. over the bridge, man. Fuck off. Right. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going over the bridge. Man, y'all can mark a bridge on, man. I'm I'm all yeah, for the yeah, rally. Yeah, yeah. And I
0: and I'm I'm trying to do
1: my part in other ways. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna grab a honey bun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna dedicate some honey buns to bro- to, to Brother <laughs> Floyd.
0: <laughs> you hand out honey buns hand out on honey the Brooklyn buns. side of the bridge and you say good luck
1: to you guys and, and pour out a little orange juice for the for the homie Floyd. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, I think that these young people, the other thing to be honest with you is I think that for the first time in a lot of white people's eyes, they actually got to see the whole tape this time. Not what you see on cops, you know, right, with some guys right. kicking a door in and, and, you know, there's, there's a kind of a dismissive, well, he must've done something Sure, this, this time. The the normal, he must have done something, was 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 gone. You don't get to say he must have done something this time because we all watched the same yeah. thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. um so, so there was no shield. There was no, hey, I still want to sleep tonight without having to be riled yeah. up about wrong in the world. I, I want to believe that, well, you don't get to. You get to watch what it looks like to be a sizable black man when the cops are in that mood. Yeah. You finally get to know what it's like to be John Laster when the task jumps out of that van and they come running at you. Yeah. That's what you get. And they had to watch it in its rawness from start to finish. Now, of course, the post that I was presenting was saying that this ha- is happening all day, every day. This yeah, is yeah, our yeah. experience yeah. with the cops. You know, I just didn't happen to die on any of those occasions, thank God. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that George Floyd. I don't think anyone would say that this guy died in vain. So I think that you are going to see some police reform. I've never seen so many chiefs of police. I've never got so many heartwarming letters like, "Hey, I cried. I had no idea yeah. this type of thing went on," which is another sad thing in movements. You know where yeah. you, where you have this happening to black men all the time, and most people, unlike yourself, Mike, have never said. Okay, well, let's ask black men what they think. Sure. Let's ask the people, the aggrieved party. You know, everybody's like, oh, fuck the police and this, that, the other. How many of you guys have ever had a black guy on your show or sat down and say, hey, what 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 is your experience with this? You know, just like the immigration debate. And I used to be mad. Like, how many of us have ever talked to the dishwashers, the barbacks, sure. the guys who make New York City? Have ever sat down and had a 10, 15-minute—you c- have all these opinions on immigration. Have you ever talked to one of these guys who walked over the border that works yeah. here? Have you ever sat down and talked? Because I have.
0: I think—yeah, and I think, like, one of the things about the Comedy Cellar, which is where you and I are, are friends from, and it being in the pandemic, it's, it's one of the things I miss the most is being at the Comedy Cellar. I'll come home from the comedy cellar and say to my wife, like, I just had, like, great conversations. Because you have, among the comedians, a range of perspectives that is really wide.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like,
0: a range of, uh, of, of opinions and, and a range and, of and bright And bright people. Bright people. And conservative people who I don't often agree with, but are willing to have tough conversations. I've had
1: lots of conversations with my white counterparts who really want to believe they want to believe that everything is equal.
0: Not only, not by the way, John, not only equal that you, you hear the term reverse racism, right? which is, is (laughs) I think a very humorous term. Right. And, And then you have to argue, argue against that. And, and it's, I mean I I throw my arms up about those conversations.
1: Right. Well well the other thing now, and I know that there's probably gonna be some people that are mad at me for this, is the other thing is take for example the 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 you know going back to the post that I put on my Instagram. um, my sister, my own sister called me concerned after she saw the post and she said, How come I never knew this?
0: Mm, yeah, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. event that people and I don't... felt that way when I read it, that's what that's what I posted immediately was. I've known John for a few years. We tell stories to each other a lot, a and lot. I haven't heard these stories. I've heard other stories that you've told about being messed with by the police, but I haven't even heard these stories. Yeah, so I think that part
1: part of what needed to happen, which is why I posted this for this particular situation right now. The reason why I put that. Story up is it was like, you know what? If I don't, if I don't share these stories because I felt so powerless and I was so angry, so how can you expect someone to understand what you're going through if you've not shared it? Yeah, you know. And I'm with I'm with a few of my buddies the other day. A buddy of mine is doing this poem. He asked us to all come down and read a couple lines. He's putting it together for a documentary. So it's five black guys there, all of whom have. At least the same amount of stories that I do, all sizable black dudes, and all of them. When I asked them after we got done talking, exchanging war stories about shit the cops had done to us, right? I said, yeah. Who did you tell? Nobody. None of us had ever told anyone. Wow. We've never documented it. We've never outwardly said. And then I went home and I felt like this. There's a scene in this movie called Boys in the Hood.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: Yes. Cuba Gooding Jr., Black Cop actually puts a gun to his head.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh.
1: Yes, and he goes and knocks on his girlfriend's door. He comes in the foyer of his girlfriend's house. yeah, Yeah, yeah. He starts punching and crying and crumbles up on the floor, and she keeps asking him, What's wrong? What's wrong? He never says anything.
0: Yeah. He
1: just has that yeah. same feeling that I did. The same feeling that the guy who took the skateboard and broke that back window of that cop's car, which is what started yeah. the, the Minneapolis ball rolling. They had just had it.
0: I feel like when I talk to my African-American friends, I feel like a recurring theme is that they don't feel like the police are there to protect them. Like that they're not on your team.
1: Yo. Mike, I've never, ever seen the police as anything except for modern-day slave patrols. Wow. That their entire, entire purpose in life was to protect white people. I lived in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, when I first moved to New York. It was a little rougher than it is now. I don't ever. I remember moving to New York because the cops harassed us so much. Where I'm from, in the in the Midwest and out West, the cops are a constant harassment because you're in your car, so they're yeah. uh, they're stopping you. you there's, you're not going to make it a week without the cops stopping you. That's just not yeah.
0: to Yeah. It, Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in his in his in his book Talking to Strangers, which is basically like cops will pull people over for. The uh, broken tail light, or you know, no seatbelt on, it, or incessant. little minor infractions, to sort of start the conversation that might yes. lead to a more major infraction.
1: Yes, it's it's it is incessant because
0: um, they can basic because cops can. Ba- this is what I understand: cops can basically pull you over for anything. Yeah, but I mean, they, there's like but, nine like hundred things they could pull you over if, for if they chose to. So
1: I I went to jail for the night in. Denver because they're always ticketing you, right? So if you forget to pay a ticket, then you got a warrant. Then when they stop you the next time, that's how you end up in jail. So I yeah. ended up in jail one time. They stopped me. This is the funny thing. This is hilarious. And then I'll go back to the <laughs> Fort Greene situation about them protecting white people. So they get me out the car. I, they put the cuffs on me. I'm going downtown. Somebody calls my coach to get me out. My coach said, the ticket said, this is this is what they even wrote on the ticket, that there was a crack in my front windshield keep in mind this is a hairline crack meaning if you were standing right in front of my car in front of my car you could barely see it it's a hairline yeah you have to you'd have to know where it was they said that they spotted that in their cop car behind my car and that's why they pulled. are you serious it's it's not uh, it's nonsensical it's a
0: it's a superpower called white vision it's called white it's called
1: white cop vision (laughs) But, but back to Fort Greene. So I'm in Fort Greene. I'm living there five, 10 years. Of course, gentrification's happening all over New York City. Do you know that when white people started moving in the neighborhood, they put cops at the G train station, right outside of the station, and then on every corner, all the way over to Myrtle Avenue. So it's probably like four corners. But yeah. it was only, but, but to me, that is what the cops are there for to make sure that white women can safely get off the train and walk through this new neighborhood that they're gentrified. Wow. Those cops were never there. I lived yeah, in that yeah. apartment for seven years. Only when white people moved in, all of a sudden, we need police patrol on each yeah. corner. That's what the cops are to me, not some fucking friendly faces. They're here to keep you away from any white people. Yeah, and and a constant source of harassment, and of course now I'm doing better, which is another reason why I wrote the post. I felt like, who am I now? You live in this cool ass neighborhood, and right, your
0: career's going better. Yes, you live in a better place. I'm not around that,
1: you know. Yeah, but I don't want to be one of those fucking people, man, that goes on and you know basically ran out of a house that was on fire. And now I've moved, and I pretend that I don't know that that house is still on fire. You know yeah, that no, fucking, of course of you course. know that fucking house is still on fire, man Of course, yeah. you still got to do something. So you know, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to do my part because I know that there are people that are still harassed on a daily basis. And you know I mean I, and they do stuff like when I went to jail for walking in between the train cars, I'm in the, the holding cell, all of the black men are in there. All of us, one hundred percent of us, for train station violations. Yeah, this is during the stop and frisk when they were doing sweeps, just rounding up black and Latino men. You know, you know what the two white guys were in there for? Selling coke to an undercover cop.
0: Unbelievable.
1: The two white guys that were in the cell with us were these young guys selling coke to an undercover cop. The rest of us were in there, jumping a train stop, walking in between train cars, using using a student. Uh, Metro card as an adult. That's and I'm talking about a cell. So there's probably 40 of us in the cell. It's all the same. It's the same hustle. The white guys yeah. in there selling coke to an undercover. Yeah. And and the 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 government of New York admitted that they yeah. said stop and frisk was unconstitutional. They said that harassing us was uncon. They didn't even deny. The judge didn't even deny that. All those years that they were just stopping us for no reason, harassing us, targeting black and Latino men was a policy. We're not talking about the 40s. Yeah. And you wonder what I think of cops versus what you think of cops. Very different.
0: Working it out is brought to you in part by GameTime.co. That's not GameTime.com. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. GameTime.co is a, a site where you can get the best tickets for events, sports events, concerts. This is a thing that I'm obsessed with. I don't know about you, but I'm very experience-based. Especially if I'm bringing my family, I just want to make sure that the seats are good and I can see everything. And I just think this is a great site. It's an amazing interface. Last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Views from all seats in the venue. Lowest price guaranteed event cancellation protection, job loss protection. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code WIO. That's for working it out. That's WIO. For 20 bucks off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code WIO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Liquid IV. We're thrilled to have them as a sponsor. You don't need to be an athlete to need extra hydration through your day. Sometimes you forget to drink water. So it's, it's perfect for that. It's great for me because I I really have to stay hydrated and it's great for long travel days, which is so much of my uh, my touring life. There's a very popular product among the staff of working it out. My brother Joe said it's a great alternative to coffee in the afternoon when I want to pick me up. It's sweet, but it's only got 45 calories. It's a great thing to have in the office. Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free, in bulk, nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WORKING for working it out. WORKING is the word, W-O-R-K-I-N-G at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop. Better hydration today using promo code WORKING. The podcast is called "Working It Out," which is what I call my shows before they're done. Basically, I just call them "Working It Out" as an indicator to the audience that, like, everything you're watching is not done. I always tell people at the end of my shows, like uh, the "Working It Out" shows, I go, like, you know, you might leave here tonight, and you go, "That was funny," and that was funny, and uh, and and then you'll come, you'll come back and see me in six months, and like. You know the one of your favorite jokes, one of your favorite stories might just be gone, and you'll go, "Hey, how come that's gone?" And I'll say, "Because of you, because you you didn't laugh." So I cut and it, that, and that's what working it out is all about. And it's like, since we're in the quarantine, I decided I'm going to bring it to a podcast. And so, you know, we've had John Mullaney and Hannah Gadsby and 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 Judd Apatow, a bunch of people, and. And, and what, what I was thinking about with you, because I've always loved watching you. I mean, we, we, you and I are, are back-to-back on stage a lot at the Cellar, so we've watched each other a lot. Yeah. What I was thinking about you is like, I feel like, have you considered telling some of these stories on stage? Um, you know what?
1: I, I think that I haven't because sometimes the stuff that pains you the most, you just want it to go away. Of course, you know what I mean. You want to like yeah. put it behind you and be like, eh, you know. Um, but I, but I probably could or should, for sure.
0: I think you should consider it because I'm like, you know, with me, I, you know, I, 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 the things that I've that I've had, you know, the most success talking about on stage are like, you know, having a bladder tumor when I was 19, and and sleepwalking through a second story window and you know and in Walla Walla Washington and like I feel like if you can go into the pain mm-hmm. and then come out the other side with something funny I mean you've even said things just talking you know today on this podcast like that are just throwaway lines that are funny and and that you know as sad as the larger story is the smaller stuff within those stories, I think, can be funny. And then the other thing is, like, I think it, ultimately it's educational. It's like, oh, you look at like Will and Grace, for example, and mm-hmm. it's like Will and Grace is like, in on the on the surface, it's like a light, sitcom. it was a light sitcom, right? But the net result of it was, it ended up changing and and contributing to changing the way people feel about people's different sexuality and 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 i feel that way about about stories like the ones you're telling right now is like i feel like people need to hear those stories but they also don't they don't want to hear the stories right (laughs) and so it's so it's like it's like that old uh it's like that old expression it's like when they're laughing is when is when you give them the medicine
1: yes Exactly
0: it's like I remember I was on tour once with Chris Gethard, and he, we were late night just driving, and he told me this story about how he tried to commit suicide, and I said to him, I go, like, "If you could make that funny, if you could find the humor within the with what is the deepest, darkest sadness in your life, uh, that's going to be gold." And then he made this special career suicide, which is great.
1: No, that's awesome. You know what's so crazy is I think that my, I think that my addiction stuff, which was very tough for me to get to the darkest bowels yeah. of that, I yeah. got over that hurdle and told jokes about that, and actually about um, the uh, one night that I wanted to kill myself. I actually do that on stage, and you wow. can you can feel the the whole room come to a grinding halt. And I remember What is
0: that? What is that story? Can you tell that story? Oh yeah. Do I, mean, you mind I, story? I
1: I it's a, it's a true story too. It's so funny. The first time I did it, I remember there was a comedian, this uh, buddy of mine named Matt. He's sitting at the end of the bar at Stand Up New York. Stand up New York's got a bar, and then there's a glass window where you can look into the showroom, but you're not in the showroom. So I started the joke and I remember finishing the joke and coming out of the showroom, and he said that was scary. He said, oh, wow. he said, I didn't know how you were going to pull the nose up on the plane when you had went yeah. down into something that dark. But the story was um, <laughs> that I, you know, with the, my drinking, my drugging back in the day, I had become, I had become chemically depressed. Because if you keep drinking yeah. alcohol, you're doing coke, eventually it becomes a depressant. You're just depressed. Sure. And I wanted to kill myself and found out that if you did tons of coke, drank, and then took sleeping pills, you would die. You would chip out. That's what somebody told yeah. me. So I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to um, with these. Um, I'm thinking about doing that with these sleeping pills. But at the time, I was so broke, and I was actually homeless.
0: Oh at my god! What? How old were you at this point?
1: Oh man, twenty eight. Wow, twenty nine. Yeah.
0: And at, were you were you in New York at that point?
1: Yeah, and I was kind of couch surfing at the time. And then it dawned on me that I had been in my friends. I had been staying at my friend's house. He was one of the places that I was staying. And I remember in his medicine cabinet, he had sleeping pills.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I was like, oh, shit, I can go over to his house, get the mm-hmm. sleeping pills, and, and end this misery. And I was on yeah. my way to his house, and I found $160 in the street. Oh my gosh. And I started thinking to myself, this is a terrible night to die. And
0: uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, I've been able to wrestle some of those demons to the surface and get them on stage. But not these, not the cop ones yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, I think it would be great to pull off. It'll be hard to pull off because... What happens is, is, like, I posted your thing, and then I got all these people responding and go, all lives matter. And then I go, like, and then I replied to those. I go, to anyone saying all lives matter, I totally agree. <laughs> and as- I totally agree as soon as we reach a point where everyone in America— including police believe that black people are part of all.
1: Well, I think that they're I think that that's still tricky for them to understand. You know the way that I've explained it to uh my white friends who who believe that all lives matter or blue lives matter and then we yeah. had the conversation and then they were like, "You know what, John? Okay, I get it now." So, yeah. what I tell them Mike is in the event that um you see a Let's say that, that that cop did what he did to Nikki Glazer. Yeah. He would have been in jail as soon as he got to back to the police station.
0: That's right. Nikki Glazer is our friend. She's a comedian who's a white comedian friend of ours. Yeah.
1: If that had been a white woman under his knee, all yeah. four of them would have been arrested. You know? It
0: would have been a shock. It would have been an immediate shock to the nation. It would have been everyone and all the all the people in jail. Yeah, yeah I absolutely agree.
1: right. So, or let's flip it around. Let's say that somehow a guy gets his arms around a cop, wrestles the gun away, and chokes a cop out to death. Yeah, he would immediately be arrested. Yeah, you know what I mean. So a lot of times when people say, "Oh," All lives matter. Yeah, but you know what? When things happen to you guys, somehow justice is played out swiftly and the way we expect it to be. Black yeah. lives matter isn't saying that our lives matter than yours. We just want the same thing that would happen if you choked out a cop on camera. Yeah. We want the same thing that would happen if we saw Nikki Glazer on the ground. Like, that's all we're asking for. Yeah. Why, when it's us, does there have to be this lag and this, and, 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 and you got to burn cities down to even get cuffs on the cops? If I walked outside right now, me and you were standing outside, Mike, and you pointed at me when a cop rolled by and say, hey, this guy just punched me. They would oh, put, the me. put the cuffs on me. They put the cuffs on me. How do we yeah. get to watch these guys on videotape kill a guy and none of them get arrested? Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I've been explaining it to my white friends, they're like, you know what? None of them deny the fact that if that was a white woman on the ground, everyone—they are all like, yeah, that's true. And then when I say, or if a cop had done that, they say, yeah, that's true. And I said, well, then now you understand. And they were like, okay, that makes sense. Now I get the Black how, Lives Matter thing.
0: How come? How come that is what you're saying is true? And there's vast injustice right now, and there's been vast injustice for for so long. How are you not more angry than you are?
1: Well, to be honest with you, if in the event that, and you know, we're not going to name any names on here. But Mike, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, some angry black comedians. If I turn into the angry black guy, they'll say, see, this is where these guys just sit around and bitch. They just sit her. Me and you wouldn't be having this conversation right now because you would be like, John is an impossible person to be around. Right. We wouldn't be having this discussion. So if you turn into that guy, you're actually, then it actually works. Then the knee on your neck, actually, you got to keep going. You got to get up in the morning, strap it back on and keep pushing. I don't know why I'm getting choked up, but you got to find a way. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right or otherwise you're the you're the bitter guy that people are like you know what man we can't we can't fuck with this guy he's always complaining he's always bitching <laughs> well look at all the shit yeah. he's got the bitch about can he can't even find some place to live <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> so you you don't you don't you know i i think i think that you you i think you cut yourself off from the blessings that will come i'm i'm mm-hmm. still up you know i'm i'm very optimistic
0: Working It Out is supported by Masterclass. We are thrilled to be supported by Masterclass. It's a streaming platform that makes it possible for anyone to watch or listen to hundreds of video lessons taught by more than 150 of the world's best. So for example, Working It Out listeners might be interested in filmmakers or writers like David Sedaris, Issa Rae, Martin Scorsese, Warner Herzog, Malcolm Gladwell, and more. Margaret Atwood teaches creative writing. Amy Tan teaches fiction, memory, and imagination. That sounds fantastic. Whether you're watching Masterclass on TV, listening in audio mode, or in the app, or on their site, the quality speaks for itself. This holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash Masterclass.com slash Offer terms apply. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Helix Mattresses. Helix is uh, our original sponsor. I want to say they're our first or second sponsor ever in the Working It Out history three years ago. Uh, it's an awesome company. They make phenomenal mattresses. The new one that we're, we, I wanted to tell you about is called the Helix Elite. They've harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers an elevated sleep experience. The Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Every Helix Elite mattress comes with a 15-year manufacturer's warranty and the same 100-night trial as the rest of Helix mattresses. Working it out listeners uh, get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. For our working it out listeners, go to helixsleepcom perbigs, promo code helixpartner. This is their best offer yet, and it will not last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. This is a thing called the the, that we do on the show called the slow round, and it's just it's kind of like the speed round, but but it's slow, and it's uh (laughs) and it's quick. It's just uh, memory things. It's like memory prompts that I do for myself when I'm writing stuff, and one of them is, "Do you remember a smell from childhood?"
1: Um, I remember a distinct smell that I remember when I was younger was
0: cigars, Mm. because I love cigar, love cigar smell. Do you? Yeah, I love it. And pipes and pipe smoke. I
1: love it. Yes. That. I love the smell of pipes. Cigars though reminded me of my father. Because my father smoked cigars and we would go see him in the summertime. I mean, at least yeah. until I was old enough to have some something else, something else to do. But anytime I smell a cigar, my brain immediately pops to my to my dad who died a few years ago. Oh. Yeah. Smoking um, well, again, smoking cigars. <laughs>
0: And he's, yeah, Dad's smoking cigars. Doing what he loves. Doing <laughs> yeah. what he loves.
1: That a, that, a, um, that can get you lung cancer.
0: Yeah, my dad had a in in he had a room that he where he had his his pipe as a, when I was a kid, and and that smelled like pipe smoke in there. And I, yeah, I love that smell. Yeah, I, I just love that
1: pipe smoke smells good.
0: I I feel like I want to smoke a pipe, but I feel like I haven't. I haven't quite aged into it yet. Like I feel, I feel like I'm a few years away from hitting hitting a pipe.
1: I feel like I'm a hundred million dollars away from smoking a pipe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that how much you have to have? I think you to gotta have close pipe? to
1: a hundred million if you gonna fucking sit there with a pipe. Because if you fucking right. smoke a Chappelle
0: pipe, can, Ch- Chappelle can smoke a pipe. Chappelle
1: can smoke a pipe. If I see a motherfucker smoking a pipe sitting on a bus stop, I'm gonna slap the shit out of him. Like you are not. <laughs> I'm gonna ex- exchange that right. for a crack pipe here. This is the pipe you need, motherfucker.
0: There's a financial threshold <laughs> to smoking A pipe, and we all know it. <laughs> There's a hundred dollar minimum. All right. Um, this is a, called on a loop. Do you have a memory that doesn't fit into your act or a story, but is like on a loop in your brain, either from your childhood or growing up, where you go, like I can't get that 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 memory out of my head.
1: I can't get if this and this is sad, right? But sometimes there's humor in these things where you don't know. Yo, my ex ex girlfriend didn't know she had asthma and died right in front of me.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: In the hospital, <laughs> yeah. Oh my Co- god! Code blue. Holy and, cow! Yes, and I've never been able to shake that. It it still haunts me. She day. didn't
0: know she had asthma, and so and so she couldn't breathe. Yeah. And then you took her to the hospital. Yeah,
1: we broke up. She calls me one night and says, Hey, I can't breathe. Could you come over to the house and help me? She lives a couple oh blocks my away. Gosh. So I run over there and she's sitting there and she's short of breath. And I'm like, you know, what's what's going on? And uh hospital, by the grace of God, is just a couple blocks away, the Brooklyn Hospital. She lives on decal, two, three blocks from the hospital. So we walked down there. And we're sitting there all night and visiting hours are over. And I'm like, I'm not leaving until you guys do something. And um, so eventually, long story short, they put her on oxygen. I come back in the morning and they're moving her to upstairs instead of down in the emergency room so that she can have a a room and see a doctor. Because now it's the morning. The doctor's going to come in and look at her. They take the oxygen off and her heart stopped.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, so these doctors come flying in the room like they pushed me out of the room like yeah. I was a rag doll. You know oh what I mean? Yeah. Like, yo, oh get yeah. the fuck out of here. Code blue and it was the mo- it was the worst thing. The only thing that I can compare to that is hearing my mother cry when she had to walk home after a winter storm one night. And that was kind of the night that I decided I'm going big in life. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna do something. Wait, what, huge. why?
0: Why was your mother crying? I don't understand. There was
1: a snowstorm in Denver, um, and the buses. <laughs> don't ask me whose genius decision this was. They decided oh, to.
0: I get, I get Stop it, yeah. running the
1: buses. So she had to walk home, and I had never heard my mom crying like this. So my mom, you know, she keeps her 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 stone face on, or whatever. Hey, kids, blah blah blah. Sorry, I had to walk home. Did it from the bank. Goes into her bedroom and starts bawling. And wow. I remember the rage boiling in me that we didn't have a car and I didn't have a way to get us a car. Wow. But that's when I was, that was the day in my life that I was like, I'm going to do something to the utmost. Wow. Yeah, to pay my mom back. Um, wow. And I, you know, I didn't know it was going to be basketball, that I would play basketball at a high level, but that's when I started um, buckling down to start doing things intensely.
0: What do you have a skill that no one knows about? And mine is really stupid. It's uh, what my wife finds it to be uncanny that when we're driving in the middle of nowhere and we see a pizzeria, I can tell her whether it's a good pizzeria or a bad pizzeria. (laughs)
1: Do I have a skill that no one knows about?
0: Um, Or are you under, or the other question is like, are you underestimated? Do do you ever find this thing where you're like, come on, man. Like I know how to do that, but nobody takes you seriously.
1: Something that I know how to do. I know how to find Coke.
0: (laughs) How? You tell me. I've never used Coke. So I'm curious. How do you find Coke? I can spot the,
1: the, uh, the Coke man, uh, uh, in any town, under
0: any circumstances. Wow!
1: Yeah, just like you know how to spot, you can spot restaurants, I can spot the Coke man.
0: Tell me this, because I I've never used Coke, and I don't think I ever will. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm so afraid of drugs because I, I sleepwalked through a window. You know, oh, yeah. I can't. I'd like a lot of medical shit. So, I like, I'm just watching,
1: like I remember watching that in your movie, man, years ago before yeah. I, before I knew you, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so like i I'm i I'm, I'm aversion to drugs, but like when <laughs> is there Coke in every town? Oh,
1: there's like, Coke. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Let me good, tell you no. something. If we went scuba diving, I could find Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I could find the Coke dealer. Oh, that's scuba. Oh, that scuba coke is,
0: That scuba Coke is good. That
1: scuba Coke is not to be fucked with. I, it doesn't matter where you are. You could find the yayo man.
0: What are the hints? What are the hints when someone has Coke?
1: I don't know, man. It's like a spidey sense. Do you yeah. know what I mean? When you look around the room. I mean, you can always tell um by people going to
0: the bathroom.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody sure, has sure. to pee three times at a goddamn golden corral
0: in half right. an hour. Do you know what I mean? Do you think there's a lot of Coke at the when we're at the cellar? Like I've never seen Coke at the cellar.
1: Um yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you why you've never seen coke at the cellar cuz you're normally out of there before 2. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're
1: right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. If if you are at the cellar after 2:30, you will know that's, where the yayo is.
0: That's when the shit goes down. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um what is uh what is the oddest what is the oddest thing you've ever witnessed that wasn't that you weren't a part of that you just saw?
1: I remember seeing there used to be these there used to be a really dirty kind of like um, they used to have these spots in Brooklyn of course it's it's all gentrified so all that stuff is gone but they used to have these spots in Brooklyn where you had to know a password or something to get into some of these strip clubs cuz they were anything goes Oh wow Yeah yeah it's it's a it's a uh, it's a one-stop shop <laughs> right 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 you know it's a uh it's a smorgasbord um so but some of the girls used to walk down the street to the next corner um and i remember one time and i also hosted a weekly comedy show there so i come out of the comedy show i'm walking around the corner to the street.
0: at the strip club at the strip club you did around right around the corner yeah oh right around the corner right okay.
1: around the corner because the strip club was on the corner mine was in the middle of the block the strip club was right around the corner but sometimes we would go over there and get a drink after the show was over and i remember one time walking over there and some of the strippers are standing there at the gas station and there's a line and i mean literally a line of hasidic jewish guys waiting to get blown in this car but they're standing there like politely you know oh my I mean? God! Like, just standing there in line. And I was like, and I mean the hoodest of black girls, you know what I mean? Like wow. red wow. wigs and the fucking sparkling things on the face, like hood black chicks.
0: How many people in the line? How many Hasidic Jews in the line? Like 11. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's how many honey buns you eat in a day. <laughs> yeah. That, so, uh, So we end on a segment called Working It Out for Charity. And uh, what we like to do is just shine a light on a nonprofit or charity that's doing good work right now. Uh, Obviously, there's a ton. Uh, Do you have any that you particularly respect what they're doing right now?
1: I um, am a huge fan of the United Negro College Fund. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that they've done the, the right thing for... I don't know. Anytime a fund that big survives for decade after decade, and I know a lot of people who benefited from it. With no, mm-hmm. no scandals. No, and no scandals. Never Never's yeah. anyone accused them of, you know, you've never seen them in the paper for doing the wrong thing or some Ponzi scheme, or they're actually yeah. doing the right thing with that money.
0: The only thing that the only problem I have with them is they've given a, a lot of white people license to use the word Negro casually. <laughs> That's my issue, they, John.
1: They've opened the Negro casual door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard older white people say to me, Well, you know, the United Negro College Fund that has the word Negro in it, so you can say, you know, like easy. Get back tread here, tread lightly. Get
1: back here, you damn Negro. College fund. <laughs>
0: <laughs> College fund. Yeah uh that's well, I'm going to contribute to them uh and uh and we'll link we'll link to them in the show notes and uh and I feel like this is a unique episode of working it out because you know it's an old saying but comedy is tragedy plus time and I think that we're living in a moment of tragedy and I I'd like to think we'll look back at this conversation we'll listen to this 6 months and a year from now and we'll go maybe there's something funny in that that can be transformed into something humorous uh and and that we can heal from it i mean i I think that's all we can hope for
1: absolutely yeah and that'll definitely happen absolutely i mean once you say something out of your mouth then you could you know that means the clay's on the table then you can start manipulating it sometimes it's just tough to get out but we already got it out so yeah now we can start playing with it
0: well thanks for thanks for having this uh this this chat today john i think people are are gonna dig this, and I think uh, I appreciate what you're posting on on uh, Instagram, Your which is your handle, He Was Funny.
1: He Was at, Funny. Yeah.
0: At yeah. He Was Funny, which I've always thought is a, <laughs> a hilarious handle to have on Instagram. Yes. He Was Funny is the complete devaluation of yourself into you don't even give your own name. Y- yo, you I'm- just go, He.
1: You know what's so crazy though? If I give my name, people screw up the spelling. So it was yeah, just Yeah, yeah, because
0: no no H. Yes. John J O N J O N L A S T E R. Yeah. But it's much easier to just go at he was funny. Yeah.
1: And then you'll see right under that when you get there, they'll see John Laster and know how to spell it. But if I if they tried to find me like first of all they would fuck up John and then they would screw up Laster. So go to at He was funny and then um yeah, you'll see John Like then, you know, it's just easier to get to me.
0: Well, we're going to see a lot of a lot of John Laster in the next few years cuz you're uh you're a true talent and uh and a, and a really good person and and I, I feel lucky that uh, we're friends.
1: I feel really lucky that we're friends. I love you Mike and I appreciate you brother.
0: All right, love you pal. Working it out cuz it's not done.
1: We're working it out cuz there's no
0: well, there's another episode of Working It Out. My very special thanks to John Laster. You can find him on Instagram at the handle at hewasfunny. Our producers are Peter Salomon and Joseph Verbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, and always very special thanks to Jack Antonoff for our music and my wife, Jay hope Stein, and our daughter, Una who created the Radio Fort. Our book comes out tomorrow uh, in bookstores that are opened and have curbside things and on websites that sell books. It is out after all these months and years. Uh, We hope you'll check it out. To find out more, go to thenewone.com. Thanks to everyone who listened. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're working it out.